Kwaba. Welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, by size where you receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be as involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Hello and good afternoon. Well, good afternoon for me anyway. And welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast. Um, I want to go through a few things today, actually. Um, there's a number of different things which have popped up over the past couple of weeks. And I know that Ghana played, yeah, Ghana have played. Um, they played the Central African Republic, it was last night, and they won that game 2-1, I believe, which was a win which secures the qualification for the AFCONs next year, I believe. Yeah, AFCON, no, sorry, yeah, next year, as in the beginning of next year, um, in January. Um, so that was, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great feat. I mean, I think I don't think you can ever underplay or undervalue the the notion that you qualify for a tournament, you know, and I think, I guess maybe when you've got a historic record like Ghana do in the tournament, um, sometimes you can undervalue things such as such as that. Sorry, um, but there was one or two things in relation to the Ghanaian national team that I did actually want to pick up on just very very briefly. I found it really interesting and really poignant that Eddie Nketiah actually received. Um, yeah, I want to say he's received he's received the sorry an international call up. So he hasn't quite received the cap, but I think that pretty much um, sows any. Um, I might have got the phrase wrong, but sows any seed of doubt in regards to. Um, him potentially representing Ghana somewhere down the line. Um, so, well, congratulations to him, to be fair, because I think he's played well and done a lot for... Yeah, um, yeah, he's, he's he's done well for himself. I was going to say he's done a lot for Ghanaian culture, which I don't know how people will receive that, to be fair, but I'm happy to say that. He's done a lot, he's done a, he's done a lot for our people by way of representing Ghana and being a good goal scorer and being a good ambassador and for himself, but also for Ghanaians for, as well. Um, so congratulations to him in regards to receiving his call-up. And hopefully he does get a game against um, Ukraine. And I think we play Scotland. And I'll say we, because obviously I'm from the UK. We play Scotland, I believe it is, on the weekend. Or we play them on... No, next week, sorry. Um, so I wish him the best of luck with that. Um, but a number of different other things which I did want to raise in today's podcast, actually, which I found and really interesting. Actually, first of all, before I move on, I want to apologise in regards to actually not releasing the podcast on the Sunday rather than on a Friday. I've had a number of different things going on. I thought I was going to record it a lot sooner. And then as time went on, I just didn't find the time to actually sit down and record the podcast. Um, but the two, three things I wanted to raise today was, which I spoke about this before in regards to the idea of, a, of an African Super League. And this is actually, not as popped up, but it seems like it's going ahead. So the African Football League from what I understand, is going to be kicking off on October the 20th. And, oh, no, if I know. The AFL's inaugural competition is set to kick off from October the 20th to November the 11th, 2023, featuring a dazzling array of prominent clubs from various African nations. The esteemed participants include Al-Hali from Egypt, um, Enyimba from Nigeria, Esperance Tunis from Tunisia, and Sundowns FC from South Africa. Um, and also there's Atletico... Petro, um, Petro, oh, can't even pronounce this. Um, Atletico, Petro, and um, Petri, it's got, it's got Portuguese and um, pronunciation. Um, I'll spell it anyway. So, Atletico de Luanda, um, there's another word in between P E T R O L E O S. My pronunciation, certainly my Latin pronunciation, has, has left me for a moment or two. And there's still another couple of clubs. So, there's Simba CS from Tanzania. And there's TP Mazembe from Congo. And there is from Morocco, Waidad. Waidad AC. Um, so congratulations to those clubs obviously being included in the tournament. And I wish them all the best of luck. And this is something that we'll definitely track as we approach the 20th of October. 
But continuing the article, this grand gathering of clubs showcases the AFL's commitment to uniting diverse footballing cultures on a single platform. The AFL's primary mission revolves around the advancement of African football in terms of both skill and financial prosperity. And I think that's really, really important because obviously we spoke about the 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 European Super League previously, and I guess for clubs such as Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus, and I believe there was another another club that um, remained in the frame um, as the European Super League was being disbanded. Um, I guess their main speaking point or talking point was the fact that the 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 money should be there should be more money available in regards to the 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 splits and things of that nature and but it's not just that i think it goes across the board in regards to football um but with that being said previously in our previous podcast i felt it was interesting to understand the the landscape in africa in regards to the distribution of wealth and how african countries or how yeah african countries and the association can benefit from an improving association but at the same time um, improving the competition in the continent as well. So I think it's a good thing that AFL has come to light. But continuing the, the article, by providing an unparalleled comp- competitive platform, the league aims to elevate the quality of the sport while generating substantial revenue streams that are distributed proportionally among the participant participating clubs and all stakeholders involved. That's pretty much what, which are what I just said previously. So I'm glad that it goes on to say that. And it's going to be interesting to find out I know, in fact, it has been a bit specific, specific and both general, but it'd be interesting to see how how um, how that plays out. What are the revenue streams and what 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 companies or sponsorships and so on and so forth, which 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 stakeholders wish to actually get involved. Anticipating the remarkable growth, the AFL's second edition is slated to accommodate a total of 22 teams. So starting small and then it will expand, signifying an expansion in scale and a greater inclusivity, easy for me to say, of clubs from across the continent. The upcoming edition will also feature an extended format running throughout the season, thereby providing fans and enthusiasts with more prolonged and engaging football experience. This is going to be really interesting. Really, really interesting. I like what I see. The website is really nice, to be fair. And I like the, the colours and I like the um, the graphics that are being designed for it. The AFL operates as an independent ent- entity, assuming responsibility for the establishment, operation, administration of the competition. I notice it's got some affiliation. I know it says that, but um, based on Wikipedia, it says the African Football League, otherwise known as the AFL, will be, the, will be an annual continental com- football competition run by CAF that is set to take place on October 23rd. So I know despite, well, it might be my um, my comprehension of it. So it might be a separate entity, but it does have some of, some association to CAF. But anyway, this autonomy ensures that the league can act in the best interest of the sport and its participants while upholding the highest standards of fairness, transparency, and also professionalism. Finally, the last paragraph AFL Limited, the governing body of the league, holds exclusive rights to all commercial and audio audiovisual aspects of the league or of, of AFL. Sorry, this includes broadcasting, sponsorship, merchandise, and other revenue generating generating avenues. This approach enables the league to harness its potential for revenue generation and reinvest in the continued growth of African football. That is really really interesting. I've noticed over the past say, five to ten years, and even longer, there's been a lot of, or there's been a number of different organisations, to which obviously I've mentioned before on the podcast, who have made a decision to step into the African space in regards to kind of improving the landscape and the football in Africa. And I think this one here, 
there's been a couple which have been which have been highlighted or certainly have been very successful. I've mentioned before, obviously, oh my God, I forgot them already. Um, I forgot them already. Oh my God. Um, I'll, also, I'll find them, I'll find their name momentarily. Um, but and the African Football League, for me, this potentially can be huge because very, very similar to the Champions League or very, very similar to the Premier League when it first started. I guess maybe the idea of where it would be, the Premier League, certainly, I don't think that, that would have been foreseen. Um, or foreseen, sorry. Likewise, even with the Champions League, you know what I mean. The amount of revenue and the amount, the amount, the 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 way the the competition has improved over the years, I don't think would have been seen by by many many individuals. Certainly back in ninety three, ninety three. I think both ninety three, the Champions League and the Premier League started, but I don't think that would have been seen. Um, so let me just very quickly um, see. I'm not going to find, it, am I? Um, oh, but anyone who's who's followed the podcast will know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Ghanaian. Um, the Ghanaian, um, sorry, the the Ghanaian academy to which obviously has produced a number of players such as Kudus Mohamed and a few others, and they've got obviously a club in Norseland in Denmark. Um, the Right to Dream, sorry, it just escaped my mind for a moment or so. So the Right to Dream, so there've been a number of clubs and organisations certainly in recent time which have been very successful, and I believe the African Football League, I think, is then that frame in which it can be really successful and see where it takes African football because I think we're in a place, um, in terms of, um. I think we're in a place where, it, 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 you know, I think the next we're, we're ready to take the next step, and it's interesting because I was put, I was writing some notes down not too long ago. I think it was yesterday in regards to, and I mentioned it in the last podcast as to Mark Larcy. I think his name was um, Mark Larcy. There we are. I just saw his name. I just want to make sure Mark Larcy, and I think he's the owner um, of a team in the NBA. There we are. Um, NBA's Milwaukee Bucks team and I think he's Moroccan by heritage and I think he was talking about in which I said in the last podcast that he believes he was talking about the NBA or certainly talking about African basketball he was saying that he believes it is where the NBA was 20 years ago so the potential is massive and huge in regards to his growth and its expansion and I guess like not only him and I know he's talking about, or certainly the, the notes and the things I've seen, he's talking about basketball. I'm sure there are a number of different people and individuals who are looking at Africa in regards to the clubs and also the potential by way of competition as to where it currently is, where it currently is, sorry, and where it and where it can actually go. So I think the African game's got enormous potential. And I've said this on many, many occasions. And I said this, sorry, I mean, yeah, I've said this before, sorry. And like, even if you look at the Premier League and even Serie A and even um, La Liga and even some other competitions and across the world and stuff like that, you're beginning to see a number of different... Um, no, 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 a number of different. You're beginning to see a lot of the players are being popula- populated by African footballers or certainly those of um, the black diaspora. And I think that goes to speak to the talent um, that we have in our continent. Um, yeah, the talent that we actually have in the continent. And... Even with that, even with that, sorry, I've been writing an article to which I know I've been saying I've been writing an article for many, many, many weeks and now months now, and they are currently late. But in regards to our coaches, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see obviously where our coaches go. Um it's gonna be interesting to see where that where that where that conversation goes. Because um yeah, I was looking at something recently and I don't wanna um digress too much, as to I think it was a GFA talking about distributing distributing resources and it made me sit there and think as to the the disparity between something like an organization like the football association in england and somewhere in ghana you know where they're talking about distributing balls and things along those lines you know this is something that would happen amongst charities in this country and that's not even to play down the work well, i'm not playing down the work of charities i'm just comparing us to 
the 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 landscape in which we're both playing. You know what I mean? Like an organization like the the the, the Ghana NFA. Who knows? They might have the same sort of budget as a charity or a smaller charity, or who knows, a medium sized charity in this country. That's crazy, by the way. That is crazy. It'd be really interesting to find out what sort of budget the the G, let me write chat. Let me write this. I'm gonna put this out there and find out what budget. What is the budget? What is the annual budget budget of the GFA? Please, 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 please. Yep. Ooh. Um, as of my last knowledge, in September 21, the annual budget was not publicly disclosed in the information available. Please note that budgets can change from year to year, and the GFA may have released a new budget since then. I recommend you check in. Let me put this in Google. That was ChatGBT. I think that's really interesting, to be fair, because I think sometimes we can be really harsh on some of the organizations and bodies who are running our game, but we forget or we don't actually understand some of the budgets that they're working with. Um, I don't want to hold us too long because I do want to get the GFA. Um, what is the budget for the World Cup in Ghana? Um, okay, cool. This might be a little bit different. Okay. Ghana Sport Minister Mustafa Yusuf has disclosed that his outfit spent $5 million of the $8 million budgeted for the 2022 World Cup. I'm sure there's a bit more to that. I'm sure there's a bit more to that. In fact, no, let's have a look. The Member of Parliament, in his address to Parliament Wednesday, revealed how much was spent at the tournament by the Black Stars. Ghana exited the group stage after losing two games against Portugal and Uruguay. Mr Speaker, you may recall that prior to Ghana's participation in the World Cup in Qatar, I informed the House that our estimated budget for the group phase of the World Cup was eight, just over $8 million. He explained that expenditure covered appearance fees, Per diems, I don't know what that means, and flight arrangements, medical equipment, logistics, and hospitality. Out of this estimated budget, our total expenditure for the group participation participation amounted to just under just over five million. This expenditure covered appearance fees, flight arrangements, medical equipment, logistics, and hospitality. And also, it said per diem as well. I'm not too sure what that means. Mr. Speaker, the reason for the surplus of over $3 million after the exit of the group stage is a result of ministers' prudent management of resources, as well as ministries' decision to negotiate a qualification bonus to the next round instead of paying winning bonuses. What this means is that, in spite of the Black Stars defeating South Korea in our second group match, we did not pay a winning bonus for that win. However, we would have paid qualification bonus to the team had they been able to progress from the group stage of the World Cup, regardless of the result of the matches. Okay, cool. With that said, what is the annual budget of the football, the, the FA, the English, English FA? Good Lord. It's responsible for promoting and developing every level of the game, from grassroots through to the professional game, and successfully generates enough revenue to support investment of $120 million into English football each year. Okay, what was, that? What was the budget? What was the budget for England at the World Cup? All right, so in so Ghana had five million. Or you, good, what's going on here, mate? Uh, how much? Okay, what's this? 
Okay, that might not make sense. Okay, I can't find this information, but I think that's really helpful going forward. Now, I will actually look back at this podcast and I'll make a decision as to what direction I'll take the information. There was one last thing I wanted to mention before I actually left and before I signed off. Superb, I almost forgot. It was Arsene Wenger. So on the subject of budgets and things of that nature, I was listening today to the radio to talk sport and they were talking about um, FIFA and how they've actually put together a program to which to support countries which are let's say underfunded in regards to developing talent and talent and things of the nature. So this initiative from what I understand has obviously been led by FIFA, but I think it's been spear spear spearheaded by Arsene Wenger. So I'm gonna read this article and this is from FIFA. I'm thinking, should I read all of it? Yeah, I might have time to read all of it. So let's read all of it and so just run through some of it. But I found it really interesting because they're going to be looking at a number of countries. So the countries they're going to be looking at are... Oh, I don't know where that country is, to be fair. Mm. Anyway, I think it's a Czech Republic. I'm not too sure. Anyway, so Costa Rica, Venezuela, Benin, South Africa, Fiji, and Finland. So this is, might be a trial run. Um, so let's just run through this article very quickly. So the title of this um, article is I had a chance to create a legacy for developing talented children. Um... So and why I link this to Ghana in some respect is I found it interesting to I I found it interesting in that I just thought to myself like I, you know I wanted to know where these countries what what bracket these countries fitted in and why why European countries and not not to say that there's not going to be countries in Europe that are going to be underfunded but I didn't quite understand so it'd be interesting to know why these countries um, applied for this why why they applied yeah why they applied and why they wouldn't have went to somewhere like Ghana or Nigeria or elsewhere to be fair. Anyway, so let me read the article. So FIFA, so these are bullet points. The FIFA Talent Coach Program sits under the umbrella of FIFA's Talent Development Scheme. 25 member associations will benefit from talent coach from a talent coach working with them for two years. Venga, we want to develop children to ultimately make football globally more competitive. Okay, cool. cool. Now to the article. One afternoon last week at the home of FIFA, a group of under-14 players were gathered in a huddle. In the midst of an overage player could be spotted, linking arms with players less than half his height. FIFA chief of global head of... Okay, cool. I'm not going to go too much in some of those details. Um, as I mentioned before, the FIFA talent program is under is another important pillar under the umbrella of the talent development scheme. Following a six-month pilot involving seven countries, which, they want, which, I've, which I've mentioned before, it goes on to say, we want to develop elite players in countries where there's potential for further development. There are many children in the world who do not get the chance to develop their talent and the quality of our work can change this, explained Wenger. I think he's the man to spearhead something along those lines based on his success at Arsenal. Observing the different different coaching sessions taking place, Wenger's engagement was clear. From passing on a tip to one of the coaches to sharing his philosophy on the game, it is pertinent to ask what lies behind his motivation? Really interesting, a really good question. Arsenal is known for giving players a chance, but I knew that was not the case everywhere. One of my worries was always to give people who deserve it a chance in life. When I joined FIFA, we analysed football around the world and realised that the main deficit in football is education. That's what they were talking about today on TalkSport. They were talking about providing opportunity and also education. And that's what kind of like pricked my ears in regards to this program. Because I think in places like, to be fair, everywhere, but in places like Ghana, I feel providing education alongside the opportunity, I think, is key for, um, for, the, for, the, game to, for the game to develop further. And I think you're going to see exponential growth, I think, when you pair the two together. 
and the program from my understanding is in, is, in, is in its infancy so it should be interesting to see where it goes and whether it does actually pair education with football but anyway continuing um main deficit is main the main deficit in football is education in many many countries so in many many countries Look at the FIFA Women's World Cup in 2023. It shows you how quickly women's football has developed at the top level and what is possible. If you love football, you don't just love it at the elite, elite male level. After my, competitive, after my competitive career, I had a chance to create a legacy for developing ch talented children. This does not make headlines, but that's not important. What is important is that we're here, that we are, is that we are, that we are efficient, sorry. That we help children between the ages of 12 and 16 to ultimately make football globally more competitive. In December, in December 2022, the FIFA Council approved the funding allocation of $200 million to cover the 2023 to 2026 operational life, life, life cycle of this groundbreaking initiative. And in March 2023, the Council also approved a set of regulations laying out the principles and distribution of funding and the process of approval, as well as the rights and obligations of member associations. You see that figure there? Like, that's the... So despite the fact that I can be very hard on the the on, on Ghanaian football, I don't want to say the Ghanaian um, Football Association, I'd be quite hard on Ghanaian football because I understand its potential, but I think you also need to be realistic in regards to the actual budgets, not the budgets, the resources that they have available. And I think what I'm realising in life is that I think you can work as hard as you can work as hard as you as hard as you want, but ultimately it's about working smart as well. And I feel if you have if you have the resources, it gives you the opportunity to work smart. Continuing Participating member associations may apply for funding under one or more of the annual bespoke FIFA talent programs to support specific projects related to the strategic long-term development plan. Patricia Gonzalez, FIFA's lead, FIFA's team lead of talent coaches program, is one of the talent coach program leads and admitted that on paper. The key objectives of the talent coach program look program look simple. One, to put the best young players with the best in each country to increase contact time and three to improve the process of planning talent identification and coach education i think we all need to do some research on this by the way this is all on the fifa website but i think generally speaking i think it's a good sorry it's good reading or it will be good reading in regards to um doing and finding some more information by having a dedicated coach on the ground Working in partnership with our MAs, I'm not too sure what it stands for, we believe together we can enhance high-performance environment in each country to give more talent a chance, said Gonzalez. Over the last three years, FIFA conducted an ecosystem analysis to understand the challenges and strengths of more than 200 MAs. Supporting each MA, member association that is, I've just worked it out, supporting each membership association to shape a long-term development strategy. It's clear that nations competing for winning trophies are more, are offering more and more meaningful contact time to players. This creates a big competitive advantage. I was going to add something very quickly. I think it's really, really, really important that analysis is, sorry, an analysis and reflection takes place in regards to what we do, sorry, that, I'm, I'm just talking about generally speaking, but I'm thinking the, the Ghanaian Football Association, etc., etc., and understand where we're going, do you know what I mean, long to medium, short, medium, and long term. But continuing, the main focus of the talent, the talent development scheme will be to invest in academies, invest in academies. I don't know how that would work in Ghana, because from what I understand, 
yes, yeah, from what I understand, I think the Premier League clubs, I think they have an academy, which might be a second side in some respect, but the clubs from the second division below or lower may not, so I don't believe it's a prerequisite. I don't think it's something they need to have. Um, so that should be interesting because, again, there are loads of private academies, obviously, in Ghana. Um, continuing, the objective is that every member association has at least one academy or centre of excellence to develop the most talented players by 2026. Should be interesting because I'm unsure that is the case in Ghana. So I don't believe there is a centre of excellence. And it should be interesting to see, obviously, whether these other countries that are involved, the Venezuelas, the Finlands, and the South Africa, whether they have one or whether they'll be developing one between now and then. We are... Oh, bloody hell, it's not close to even be finishing, mate. All right, so... Um, sorry, where was I? Oh, my God. Um, the majority of the talent coaches will work in countries where the program can have more of an impact. The player... This player age group is 12 to 15, where, the player, where a player brain has a very high plasticity. It is crucial stage for development. I don't want to read over things which are not necessarily... Okay, then the talent coaches must have a minimum of an A licence and relevant experience prior, having worked with a youth national team or at academies in a talent development role. That's really interesting. So uh, they're, they're pitching it quite high. Equally important are cultural cultural and personality traits. And the selected talent coaches in the world... In, in, sorry, in the words of Gonzalez, are people who can develop others by coaching and mentoring. Really interesting. Player development is very complex. We know that. Very complex. Beautiful. It's, it's really interesting, this program. Okay, they're talking about the the, de the the program in detail. Okay, lovely. This is superb, by the way. I really like it. In fact, I'll just finish off the article. I've, I've missed a bit out, but I'll just finish it off. Okay. Um, the majority of the 25 MAs will be focused on developing boys and girls. Through, through some, have requested to specialise. Ah, for example... Um, female-only academy. We want to work with MAs who are ready, willing and able, said Gonzalez in conclusion. MAs who have technical, who have a technical department, youth national teams, domestic minimum playing opportunities and basic coach education in place. If you do not have these things in place, you're not willing to... Wow! You're not willing and will not be able to bridge that gap at the top. See, for me, some of these things are... I don't want to say the bare minimum, but these are things that you should have in place. Coach education, certainly a technical department, youth national teams, and domestic minimum, yeah, and opportunities for people to play at domestic level. And with that said, and how I'm going to sign off, actually, I was listening to TalkSport today, and they were talking about this program specifically. But Martin Keown said that um, the Ivory Coast, for all the players that is developed in recent time, the Didier Drogba's, the Yaya Torres, the Colo Torres, etc., etc., and there's been plenty. You need to remember they won the AFCONs, I think it was in 2015, and they've been very successful, very successful for a very, very long time. That apparently, from what he said, sorry, is they don't have a youth national team. Now, I think that's scandalous. I think that really, really is scandalous. I'm going to look into this article a bit more, and hopefully we actually begin to pick apart one or two things, or certainly as the program develops, we can we can have conversation about it. But I'll leave on that note, and I think it's important that we discuss things like that. Why don't the Ivory Coast have a national team, a youth national team, at that? At that, Yeah, I'm not too, yeah, so who knows? Anyway, I'm going to leave at that point. But thank you for listening. I do apologise again for the delay of this article, sorry, the delay of this podcast, and I will be back with you next week. Take care. Yeah, take care. Look after yourselves. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media, keeping up with the stories and unfold in the coming weeks. As always, if you've got any questions or queries, email us at teamgarnieu at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnieu on IG or Twitter. 
Thank you. Take care. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.